Amen. Are you guys excited for the word? So we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to bring this down and we're going to go back into worship um, because the songs that Tara picked go exactly with what God wants to do. And I believe that as we continue to worship, God is going to break up some, some hardness in our hearts and things that the enemy has done and layered over the years, God is going to begin to break up. And so I want to encourage, if you could just stand with me, we're going to declare this song as a prayer over our hearts and over our minds. And I believe God is going to move. And we're going to give some time at the altars this morning. We're not going to have a formal dismissal. Um, obviously, if you have to go, you can go. But we're going to speak what God wants to share through the word and just open up these altars. And Jesus' presence is here. And he wants to work in our hearts. And sometimes we have, to, we have to expect God to do something. We come to church so much. And for some of us, we've been struggling with so many things for years that we've forgotten that God is a God who delivers. And sometimes it's not on our timetable. We put God on the same mindset that we have where, where we, we measure the weeks, the months, and the years. But God sees everything from the beginning to the end. He knew that we would go into a time of struggles. He sees us in our time of struggles, but he also marks a time where that's going to end and he's going to bring deliverance. And so wherever you may be on that spectrum, we're going to believe that God is going, you're going to leave here with more than what you came here with. Amen? And so let's sing this song and just sing it over the pressures of life. It could be mind games. It could be someone in your life. It could be work situations. It could be things that happened way in your past that are bubbling back up and causing anxiety and stress. Whatever it is, I want you to imagine that thing right now, and we're going to declare and sing that song over it. And God is going to speak from his word, a word in season, and we are going to see people delivered this morning. Amen? So let's take some time. Let's just make this song a declaration over all of those things and see what God has to do. Amen? I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance, the exodus of my heart. Because you found me, you freed me, held back the waters from my release oh Yahweh you're the God cause you're the God who fights for me Lord of every victory hallelujah hallelujah you have torn apart the sea you have led Cloud by day is a sign that you are with me. The fire by night is the guiding light. Cause you found me, you found me, you freed me, held back the waters from my release. Oh Yahweh, you're the God. Oh, you're the God who fights for me. Lord of every victory, hallelujah. Oh, 
into my Egypt. But you stepped into my Egypt. And you took me by the hand. You marched me out in freedom into the promised land. Now I will not forget you, God. I'll sing of all you've done. Death is swallowed up forever by the fury of your Could you step? Could you step into my Egypt? You took me by the hand. You marched me out in freedom into the promised land. Now I will not forget you. I'll sing of all you've done. Death is swallowed up
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated, Tara. I'm going to have you stay. The worship team, you guys can step off. I just want to keep the atmosphere of worship. I don't want to spend too much time in the Word because I just believe God is going to do something. We want to, we want to give Him time to do that. Amen. For those of you who are new, um, sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks through people by uh, a word in tongues and then interpretation. And so when you begin to make space for the spiritual gifts and for God to move, then the Holy Spirit can do what He wants. And so we want to just go to his word and um, Wednesday night as we were praying um, in the youth room, we meet 6.30 to 7 every week and we pray. And um, then as the night went on, I felt such a heaviness over the youth group. And it was, it was almost tangible. You could see it in some of the teens' faces with just what they're going through and what they're dealing with in the world. And, um, and as we came home that evening, Tara felt the exact same thing, you know, even through the worship, through the message. And the Lord just began to show me, um, how many of you know what a weighted blanket is? It's one of the, actually the most popular things right now. They're flying off the shelves. It's trending. And what a weighted blanket does, how it differs from a regular blanket is when you put it on, it actually has weight to it. So it, it forms around your body. And for some people, that's a security measure. And if we're looking at our culture and seeing these things fly off the shelves, what that's telling us is a heightening of anxiety in our, in our world. People are looking for something for comfort. And I'm not knocking weighted blankets, but what the Lord was showing me was there was a spiritual weighted blanket that the enemy has put over the church, over God's people. And I don't know what it's coming from specifically, whether it's something from your past, whether it's something maybe you're experiencing and going through right now. It could be a work situation. Your marriage could just feel like it's, it's falling apart. Whatever it may be, I've just sensed that this, this weighted blanket has been put over people. And when you wear a weighted blanket, it actually forms to you. So it almost constricts. And how many of you know when you feel like you have pressure in your life, it feels like you're constricted, like you can't move, well, you don't have breathing room. And that's what the enemy does, is he wants to use our circumstances to wrap them around us to keep us from moving, to keep us from worshiping, to keep us from coming to church. And the Lord is going to lift that this morning. Whatever it is, whatever context it is, God is going to lift that this morning. And we're going to look into his word and see that our God has always been a God who delivers. And that no matter when God's people went into a time of oppression, God had always marked it. He always knew they would go into it, but there was always an end. And we're going to look specifically at a moment in Exodus 5 where God's people were under um, harsh slavery and oppression in their lives. And how God, in that moment began to set into motion a plan of deliverance. Even before some of these people who are in the oppression were born, God had already began to set into motion a plan of deliverance for his people. And I want that to encourage you this morning. And the message that I felt like the Lord wanted me to share is going after the taskmaster spirit. There is a taskmaster spirit that some of us are being oppressed by. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a person, but it could be a situation. And we're going to look into the word of God and what a taskmaster was. 
And the taskmaster was simply someone that put pressure on God's people. A taskmaster in the Hebrew is the word nagas. And that literally means to press or to exert demanding pressure or to be hard pressed. It also has the, the, the phrase of to the raiser of taxes. How many of you know when they raise our taxes, you feel it, right? There's pressure, there's frustration, there's anger. That's what that word taskmaster can come through. It can be the raiser of taxes. And we have an enemy who will use people and circumstances to exert and demand pressure and put it on God's people. And there was a moment in, in the Israelites' history where they were under harsh slavery and they were crying out to God. And so this morning, we're going to learn how to deal with a taskmaster's spirit. And some of you in here might have something in your life that is causing severe pressure in your spiritual life. You feel it when you go to work, when you wake up, when you go to bed. It could be finances. The Lord has shown me that people in here are experiencing a demanding pressure and God is going to relieve that. He's going to show us in his word on how we as his people can deal with a taskmaster's spirit. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to be in the book of Exodus. I'm going to read through Exodus 5, but I'm going to jump around to a couple other scriptures so we can get a little bit more context. Exodus chapter 5, it'll also be up on the screen. Paul, if you could actually put up Exodus 3 first, the 7 through 8. I want to read that first. And I want to speak this over your situations this morning. Exodus 3 says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land a land flowing with milk and honey. Four things that we know about God when you're going through an oppressive season in your life. Number one, God sees your afflictions. You know what that word afflictions means? It means poverty. There are people in our church who are dealing with poverty right now. Lost jobs, inflation, gas prices rising up. There are people who are dealing with Severe poverty right now. And sometimes it's hard to reach out when you're struggling through that. But I love what God says. He says, I see your poverty and I see your misery. He goes on to say the second thing is God hears. God hears your cries of distress. That word cry is literally a cry of distress. I have daughters for any parents in here. You know that when your daughter or your son are crying out to you, you can tell if it's a cry of just I want you, or you could tell the cry of distress if they're hurt. It's, it's like you're tuned into that. And there's no worse cry than when it's a cry of distress. When it's a cry of attention, it's annoying. But when it's a cry of distress, you don't hesitate and you run to them. And God says, I hear the cries of distress. They weren't crying out to God for attention. They were crying out to God because they were in heavy distress. Some of you are in heavy distress this morning, and God hears your cries. The third thing is that God knows your pain. Pain or sorrows. Cecilia, God knows your pain and your sorrows. And it's amazing that you can stand on his word and declare his scripture over your situation. 
Some of you are going through severe pain right now. Our God is a God who knows pain. Why? Because he stepped out of heaven and went through the worst form of punishment so that we could be free. And lastly, he's a God who comes down to you. He's not a God who just dwells in the heavens and is waiting to take us up. He's a God who steps down to us. And so whatever your situation is this morning, we have a God who sees your poverty and misery. We have a God who hears your cries of distress, a God who knows your pain, and a God who comes down to you. In Genesis 15, 12 through 14, we see this scripture where it says, Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. We're about to read in Exodus 5 that exact moment of, of, of oppression. But you know that word in Genesis, this word here? God spoke this a thousand years before it happened. You know what that shows me? When I'm going through a season of oppression in my life, God has already seen it. He's seen me through it. And even in the season of oppression, we may go in with nothing. But he said, not only am I going to bring my people out from slavery, I'm going to give them great possessions. And so we're going to believe this morning, wherever you are on that spectrum, that God is going to give you the endurance to walk through whatever it is that you're going through and to see it through. And God has marked a time for deliverance. He said here to Abram, then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain. He said, know for certain. This was a sure thing. It's not that it might happen. It's going to happen. And Jesus says in the scriptures that tribulation, we will experience tribulation in this world, but he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And you know what that word tribulation means in the Greek? It literally means pressure. Jesus said, you will experience pressure as my disciples, but take heart because I've already overcome it. And we're going to see one of the greatest battles between God and a person who thought he was God. And we're going to see who wins and how he wins. And then when we pray, the Lord showed me that he's going to open up people's ears to begin to have that hope for that moment of deliverance. Because sometimes our situations can make us look at God and say, where are you? Sometimes we can look at the word of God and we can doubt the promises because of the situations that we're going through. Can I get an amen? So let's read together. Starting in Exodus 5, we have this moment where Moses returns to Egypt. He was a prince in Egypt, living a great life. And long story short, God removed him from the palace, he committed murder, and he ran into the wilderness. He went from being a prince to a shepherd. A shepherd was one of the lowest forms of occupation in those days. And he was even lower because it wasn't even his sheep, it was his father-in-law's. So he went from being an authority in the palace of Egypt to watching someone else's sheep for 40 years. And when God spoke to Abraham a thousand years before and said, my people are going to go through a time of, of, of oppression, I am already putting into plan an action to get them out. And so we fast forward this time later, God finds Moses at the back of the desert at the back of the desert, 
Sometimes when we're in that place where we feel like God's presence isn't there, we feel like, is this my life? Is this what it's come down to? That's one of the best places to be because God finds us in that place. And so God gave him all of these signs and wonders and said, I'm going to use you to free my people from Egypt. And so through a lot of going back and forth, because how many of you know it's, we don't always say yes to God the first time? We have to argue because we look at ourselves, right? We don't look at God's resources. We look at our resources. And we think, what, what do I have? What can I do for God's kingdom? But again, our God is a God who sees the beginning, the middle, and the end. He's already seen you through what you're battling through right now. And that gives me hope, and that gives me joy, and it gives me excitement because I know that this isn't always going to be the way it is. And so we have this moment where Moses finally steps up to Pharaoh. And in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. What we have to understand is who Pharaoh was. Listen to this. Pharaoh was nothing like a public servant. The entire public lived to serve the Pharaoh. His power and authorities was supreme, and there was no constitution or law or legislator higher or even remotely equal to him. The Pharaohs were said to be the children of the sun. They were friends of the greatest gods of Egypt and sat with them in their own temples to receive worship alongside of them. This was who Pharaoh was to the known world at this time. He was looked at as a god. There was an inscription by a pharaoh on an ancient Egyptian temple that gives this idea. I am that which was and is and shall be and no man has lifted my veil. This was an inscription that was on Pharaoh's tomb. The pharaoh was more than a man. He considered himself a god and the Egyptians agreed. Having grown up in the courts, the royal courts of Egypt, Moses knew this well, but he also knew that Pharaoh was just a man. And with the authority of the living God, Moses confronted Pharaoh. When he said, let my people go, the fundamental demand to God to Pharaoh through his messenger Moses and Aaron was freedom for his people. God was beginning to assert that Israel belonged to him, not Pharaoh, and therefore they should be free. Those who belong to God should be free and not bound. You are children of God. You are not called to be bound, you are called to be free. But the enemy uses taskmasters to try and convince us that we are not gods anymore. And I can't imagine what the people of Israel must have felt. We're not talking about 40 years of slavery. We're talking about 400 years of harsh oppression. There were people who were born into this slavery and died in this slavery. This became a way of life. This oppression became a way of life and it became a way of thinking. And so these people lived their lives crying out to God for deliverance. And guess what? God heard the cry of his distress from his children. And he began to step out of heaven and put a plan together for deliverance for them. Amen? Amen. It goes on to say, but Pharaoh said this. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. When God's plan of deliverance for your life begins to orchestrate and come into play, the enemy's grip gets tighter. 
You have to know that when you begin to press into God and you begin to worship, you begin to come to church consistently and press into what he has for you, that the battle is going to get stronger because we have an enemy who doesn't want to release that. He wants the children of God, but God is fighting for us. God is fighting for you this morning. So Pharaoh, Pharaoh knew all kinds of gods, but he didn't know this God. And he thought he was God, and he said, I'm not letting these people go. These are my people. And I can just picture God sitting up at his throne, smiling, saying, wait till you see what you're about to go through. So he goes on to say, in verse 3, then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. Some of you are hearing that voice all the time. Get back to your burdens. Get back to the oppression. Get back to the way of life. Get back to that way of thinking. And that's not how we are designed to live. And God is going to break that this morning. He's going to break that spirit that is telling you to get back. Because what the taskmaster spirit does is it has unrealistic expectations over your life. Any person in your life or any situation in your life that is putting unexpected expectations that you can't reach, that's not of God. Satan puts things on us because his desire is to break us. But Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Take my burden upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That word easy means manageable. It doesn't mean that when we become children of God that life is easy, but it's manageable. God gives us things that may seem hard, but he equips us and gives us the resources to do it. The taskmaster spirit gives us burdens that we can't handle, and our knees begin to buckle. Our, our, the framework of our family begins to crumble because we can't meet those expectations. And when you are living under oppression and someone comes to deliver you, they're not going to just let you go. They're going to hold on tighter. And that's what Pharaoh was doing. He was building his kingdom using God's people. And God said, enough, I'm coming down to heaven and I'm putting an end to the building of this kingdom in Egypt. And I'm going to show my wonders through Egypt and I'm going to bring my people out of this land. So Pharaoh says, get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. You know what's interesting about this phrase, the people of the land are many, is we know that Pharaoh tried to kill off the, the Israelites, remember? He put out a decree where he wanted to kill all the babies that were two years old. Can you imagine if that happened? Nowadays, for someone to have that much power and authority to do that? He was afraid because the people of Israel were getting bigger and bigger, and he thought, if they grow any bigger, they can overtake us and we'll lose what we have. That's the fear that the enemy has when we realize the authority that we have in God. Because as God's children, we are not called to live in, in, in oppression. We are not called to be bound. And the more we realize that, the more afraid the enemy gets. So the more stuff he tries to flare up to keep us in that place of fear. But if we stay with it, we will see God bring deliverance in our lives, in every situation, in every circumstance. Pharaoh tried to kill off the people of Israel, but that plan didn't work. You know what's powerful? God can bring growth even in a season of oppression. 
Even though they were being oppressed, even though they were being beat, even though they weren't allowed to do what they wanted to do, they kept growing. God brings growth in seasons of oppression if we allow it, amen? We may not see it or have that perspective, but Israel kept on growing. And Pharaoh said, we tried to kill them off, but they're still growing. So what did he try and do? He tried to put more burdens, more work on them. When, when you start sensing that in your own life, don't back off, press forward, because that's Pharaoh getting nervous. That's him thinking, I need these people to build my kingdom. So I've got to press harder. I've got to put more work on them. But that's the sign that God is moving and God is about to bring deliverance. Amen? In verse 6, it goes on. It says, the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of people. So here we have that word, the taskmasters, the people who were designed to put pressure on Israel. Listen to what he said to them and the people and their foremen. You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifices to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Back in biblical days, they didn't have the equipment that we now have to make things. So they had to make their own bricks. So what would make bricks stronger is you would actually, they would mix straw in the brick. And when they mixed the straw in, they would chop it up and they would leave it out to dry in the sun. And what would happen is as the bricks sat there, the straw would begin to dissolve and it would release a, a, a humanic acidic acid that would make the bricks stronger and more pliable. And so what the Egyptians would do is they would go out and they would get all this material for the Israelites to do and they would have to make the bricks. That was hard enough. So now what is Pharaoh saying? I want them to go out and get their own straw. We're going to make things even harder for them. I don't know about you, but I don't know the hours that these Israelites have worked. If they worked as slaves from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., now their lifestyle was going to get even harder because now they had to get up at 4 a.m. to go get the materials, and then they still had to do what they were called to do. And Pharaoh didn't take the, the quota down. He said, I want the exact same amount of bricks made, and I'm putting more work on you. Sometimes in the season of oppression that we're in, it feels like things are getting worse. It feels like things are breaking even worse. But that is when God is doing his best work behind the scenes. Unrealistic expectations. I want you to remember that word. You might have someone in your life that has unrealistic expectations over you. We're going to break that taskmaster spirit, but I also believe there might be some of us in here who might be operating under that taskmaster spirit ourselves. Before God brought deliverance into my own life, I couldn't be in a healthy relationship. I didn't have God in my life the way that I needed, and so every relationship that I had, I had unrealistic expectations for the girl who I was dating, and the relationship always fell apart. Sometimes that taskmaster spirit can come into us and it affects our marriages. It affects how we operate and, teach and, and train our kids and discipline our kids. God doesn't just want to break the taskmaster spirit away from us. If you feel like, you know what, that is me sometimes. And my marriage, I feel like, isn't where it needs to be because I have these unrealistic expectations for my wife or for my husband. I have these unrealistic expectations for my kids. God is going to break that off this morning. Amen? 
He goes on to say, in verse 10, so the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh, I will, give, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you find it, but you wor- your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, complete your work, your daily task each day as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten. And were asked, why have you not done all your tasks of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? This is unbelievable. How unrealistic is this? You know what's even sadder? These taskmasters appointed Israelites to be foremen. So Israelites had to go to their own people and demand this from them. Can you imagine being in that place? Where you have to turn to your own people and, and, and demand this unrealistic expectation. And then when your own people didn't meet those needs, the taskmasters came to you and they would beat you, demanding more and more. Do you know what that would do to your spirit? Do you know what that would do to my spirit? And some of you have people over your lives who are speaking things over you that are so unrealistic and it's breaking your spirit. And God has heard your cries And he's already put into motion a plan where he's going to take that oppressor out of your life. Amen? Amen. They go on to say, it says, then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh. You guys see that phrase? The foremen of the people of Israel. See, these are Israelites. Who are they crying to? They're crying to Pharaoh. Sometimes in our oppression, we stop crying to God. And we start pleading with the demonic. We start pleading with Satan. Pharaoh didn't give a rip about any of these Israelites. All he cared about was his kingdom. Satan doesn't give a rip about God's people. All he cares about is his kingdom. We don't need to cry to Satan to try and make our misery a little less. We cry out to God and he breaks that misery and that oppression. He goes on to say, then the people, the foreman of the people came, of Israel came to Pharaoh and cried and says, why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten. But the fruit, the fault is in your own people. But he said, you are idle, you are idle. I don't know about you, but my spirit would already be broken at this point. And now he's pointing a finger at them saying, you are lazy and you are lazy. Some of you are working so hard to deal with this taskmaster's spirit in your life. And that wave of oppression comes even stronger. You are lazy. You are not enough. That is, that, that is the enemy. He wants to break you down, just like that straw. But what I love about that analogy with the straw is in the decaying process, the bricks became stronger. When we go through oppression in our lives, we actually become stronger through it. And there was gonna be a time where the Israelites will be able to look back and see what their oppression was. And there will be a time where you'll step out of the season that you're going through right now and experience full freedom in your life, amen? Verse 19, I wanna jump down. It says, the foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks your daily task each day. And look at this in verse 20. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out 
from Pharaoh. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge you because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Do you see what the enemy does? When you go after these things, the enemy came against Moses. Moses was coming in with full confidence and authority and then his own people turned around and said, look what you did to us. You made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh. May God judge you. And then it goes on to say, in verse 22, look what Moses does. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to his people, and you have not delivered your people at all. If we aren't careful, we can allow the season of oppression that we're going in to begin to distort who God is in our lives. We go from thinking and believing and worshiping that God can deliver me, but when the season doesn't end in our lives, the enemy of confusion comes in and says, your God is not a God who delivers you. But what I love is that God didn't look at Moses or his people and say, forget you. His plan continued to unfold in their lives. And you know what is so powerful to me? We have a moment in Exodus 4, 31. Paul, if you could put that up. Look at this. So this was when Moses originally came to the people before all this oppression got worse. Look what it says. And the people believed. They came and said, God is coming down. He's revealed himself. And it says the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and they worshiped. Some of you have heard the word of God spoken of your lives, that God is gonna break bondages and things off of your life. But because it hasn't happened yet, your spirit has changed and it shifted. Where was this? Where was the people believing? Where was the people bowing their heads and worshiping? Pharaoh, that, that spirit, that taskmaster spirit broke their spirit. They no longer believed. They no longer worshiped. Instead, they cried out to Pharaoh and they pointed a finger at Moses. Some of you might be in that season of your life right now. But I thank God that he still had a plan that he had set into action. In Exodus 6, in the next chapter, verse 9, if you could put that up. Moses went back to the people. And look, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. God is not condemning you because you don't believe that you're not gonna have deliverance in your life. He sees what the taskmaster spirit has done in your life. And the things that he was about to do to Pharaoh is still being told about this many years later. Amen? John 6, Jesus says this, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing and all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. And in verse 40, for this is the will of my father. This is the will of our father right here, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. The taskmaster spirit's design is to press you down. God's is to raise you up. Pharaoh tried to oppress the people and push them down, but God said, I'm going to raise them up. The culture and the world may look to this Pharaoh as someone who sits in the temples of the other gods, but Jesus says something different. He says in, he says in his scripture that he raises us up, that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us and he raises us up. We are raised up with God. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. In this world you will have pressure. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world, church. He has overcome the world already. What he did on the cross, and that's the ultimate plan of deliverance. We may have struggles in this life right now, but the ultimate plan was when Adam first sinned and sin came into the world, God already put the plan into action of his son Jesus to come. Jesus Christ is the ultimate plan of deliverance for us. Amen? And because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can live in freedom. It's not going to be done. It already has been done. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It is done. And we as a church can live in that freedom. And God wants to break that this morning. If you could stand with me this morning. We are going to go to the Lord in prayer, and we are going to believe for God to move in a mighty way. Ephesians 2, 5 through 6, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together as Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. We are raised up and seated in the heavenly places. Amen? You know what was powerful? Something that God said to Moses is Moses came to him and asked basically for credentials. If I'm going to go stand in front of this Pharaoh, who are you? What do I tell them? You know what, Jesus, you know what God said? Tell them the I am has sent you. You know what the I am means? There is no equivalent to God but God. If you place God on the one side of your symbol of equation, there is nothing to put on the other side but himself. I, have, I am has sent me to you. God simply is. There was never a time where he did not exist or a time where he will cease to exist. Also inherent in the idea behind the name I am is the sense that God is the becoming one. God becomes whatever is lacking in our time of need. If you are thirsty, Jesus says what? I am the living water. If you are hungry, what does he say? I am the bread of life. If you feel like you are unstable in your life and you don't have protection, God says, I am the good shepherd. God is your provider. You fill in the blank. <clears throat> Whatever it is that you're going through this morning, you fill in the blank and that's who God becomes to you. Amen? And so this morning, what we're going to do is the Lord woke me up this morning and gave me a list of names. And so these altars are going to be open. And what I want to do is just begin to pray. I'm not going to say these names out loud, but I have a list right here of, of, of names that God gave me this morning that I just was praying for since 4.30 in the morning. And so we're going to open up these altars. Tara and the team are going to just lead during this time. And Pastor Morgan's going to come and just help me. And what we're going to do is just give space for God. We're going to sing that song, Could We Sing No Longer Slaves? I think that song is so perfect. And we're going to let that be a declaration. And what we're going to do is give space for God to move. And so this morning, if you came here and you feel like, you know what, I feel oppressed. I feel like I, I, I can't move forward in life. I feel like my situations are too big. I feel like the people in my life who are taskmasters have all these unrealistic expectations. If you want to learn how to deal with that and for God to break that this morning, then I want to invite you to come forward and just get on your face and begin to pray. Whether that's standing, coming, kneeling at the altar, and we're going to give space for God to move this morning. Amen? 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, as people begin to come forward, 
Lord, those who are feeling the burden of this taskmaster spirit, those who feel like they have these expectations in their lives that are unrealistic. Father, we pray right now as, the, as we begin to sing this song that your spirit will begin to move, oh God. We praise you, God, that you are the God who comes down. You are the God who sees our affliction. You see us in our time of need, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, God. We praise you, Jesus.